Hey, boppers. Hey, boppers. Uh, sorry to say that Emma isn't feeling so hot this week, so she's recuperating and will be back uh, to her full form soon. So this week it's just me, Eddie French. How do you do? And instead of a chat about a film, this week doing something a little different, I'm going to share a story about going to see a film and something that happened during that showing. Last week, Emma and I went to the Centre for Early Music in York. It's a part medieval church and part new building in York to celebrate and promote interest in, well, early music. And I don't mean like the hollies or tiptoe through the tulips or anything like that. I mean like all the Gregorian chanting and that kind of stuff, medieval stuff, when there's nothing else to do except say the same word over and over again very slowly. It's, uh, maybe there was less fast music in those days because they didn't have other stuff to do. I don't know. doesn't matter. The cool thing about the uh, CFEM, or CFEM, I don't think they call themselves the CFEM, but the cool thing about the Centre for Early Music is that they also put on other events and take part in festivals, and their catalogue of events is, is actually quite varied, because Centre for Early Music is kind of niche, so they they do other cool stuff. And as a part of the York Silent Film Festival, it put on a very special screening of Nosferatu, the 1922 film directed by F.W. Murnau and uh, starring Max Schreck as Count Orlok. It's a very, very loose retelling of the Dracula story, uh, but you'll have seen, uh, well, any uh, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Bloodlines fans, no, Nosferatu are the least attractive of the vampires, the sticky out sort of house elf looking ears, the um, creepy pale dome, the the no, no fangs but in fact the front two teeth being very very pointy and used for uh, the blood drinking and stuff, it's very very long sort of claw like hands, it's very very cool. Um, this was a special screening of it because it was accompanied by four live musicians from the Frame Ensemble. Uh, it was led by pianist Johnny Best, and he sort of specialises in silent movie accompaniments. Uh, he plays around uh, the country a lot doing things like this. If you get the chance, definitely go and check him out. Uh, this um, They provided... Uh, this evening the members of the frame, frame Ensemble provided an improvised score in real time to this classic supernatural melodrama uh, which took place in a 15th century church. I mean, if there was ever a more groove in movies occasion, we'd not been told about it, okay? So, um, so there was uh, a violinist, a cellist, uh, Johnny on the piano, and a percussionist as well. Uh, they were great, by the way. So before... Yeah, we get to the story. I just want to add that it was excellent. Uh, there was a cleaned-up digital print of Nosferatu that looked amazing, especially for what's a hundred-year-old film. The improvised score, just incredibly atmospheric. So fantastic. If you, There's a fair few places where you can... or sort of events where you can have 
live accompaniment to a silent movie with a, a new score or sometimes like this one uh, an improvised score it's great it's really really good and yeah seeing it in a 15th century church <laughs> kind of uh, kind of brilliant as well so definitely recommend that if you find yourself near one um yeah absolutely wonderful that is grooving movies thumbs up we can dig it so wonderful way to spend an evening uh but that aside something happened during the evening that really that's been playing on my mind and i've spoken to emma about it and she pretty much agrees with this sort of take but um, i want to talk about it because i think it's hugely important uh because we understand that we are a niche podcast we're in we're in we would deal with a niche subject and not everyone is interested in weird old films <laughs> or tv shows and uh, you know they want to go and see big blockbusters with high production values and you know billion dollar budgets and all that stuff and you know what that's fine i enjoy those films too i'm not one of those purists i loathe purists um and this isn't about purists as such uh it's about something else but um let's let's set the scene a little bit further okay this might be a little bit tricky because i don't have wikipedia to set the scene for me so i'm gonna have to do it from my own memory which is the worst but nosferatu is old i've already said that a century old and the manner of melodramatic acting can seem quite comical to modern eyes okay the wide eyes the exaggerated movement alongside the thick pale makeup can seem sort of absurd and kind of goofy to an audience uh, as commented on by Kathy Selden uh, the character in Singing in the Rain played by Debbie Reynolds she talks about how that's not proper acting she she's an actress because she's in plays whereas silent film actors just make faces and um, you know mug for the camera essentially so that that's one thing to remember is that watching this film it's it's almost a pre-cinematic film because the language of cinema was still being written this is infant cinema 1922 it's can you fathom the second world war was nearly 20 years away <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of crazy the world the europe was still recovering from the first world war which was you know all of these things. it's culturally a million years ago from where we are now so different thing um the actual event there was a, a the audience was a really really exciting range of ages and i mean that truly there were people in their 20s looking for unusual stuff maybe a little hipstery but fine that's okay they're welcome to uh, they paid their money like everyone else uh, all the way through to retired people who sort of appreciate maybe the live music aspects or you know the unconventional settings some people just weren't they're going to show a horror film in a church cool you know it, you would wouldn't you it's, that's uh, i can totally relate to all of those things so i mean they were also uh, you know it was also filled with podcasters who only like old things in black and white and think that makes up for an unbearable personality and an overwhelming desire to hear himself talk 
I'm sure there was more than one of me. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, uh, aided by the gin cocktails, which were included in the ticket price, uh, the York Gin Company, very nice. Um, the, the early parts of the film, uh, there was a reasonable amount of laughter. So, for those who haven't seen Nosferatu, there'll be a bit of spoilery stuff. It's loosely based on Dracula. And this isn't the sort of film you can spoil because it's it's not got a lot of plot it's got a lot of stuff that happens but as far as plot goes it's like I say early days of cinema they were still still working on these things so the young hero's boss for example um, is brilliant because he looks like a cross between sort of a fat golem and Ebenezer Scrooge um, he's a uh, he's a, a real estate break an estate agent basically he sells houses and he sat atop a really high stool and he looks like every incarnation of Scrooge in uh, in a Victorian A Christmas Carol kind of thing. So sat very high up with a quill uh, scratching away and uh, he suggests to our hero that uh, Count Orlock should be sold the big empty house across from where our hero lives and he sa- he literally says that again, I'm going to recommend he buys the house straight across the road from yours and it's so on the nose there was a laugh from the audience because it was on the nose and also dramatic irony we know something that the character doesn't he's going Count Orlock who's that he's in a different country he's, you know, he's long long or, or certainly a very very long way away so he's like, oh, Count, eh? Oh, that's interesting. So he's like, yep. So there were several other small occurrences of laughter during the early parts of the film. And all of these things, you know, there was um, there was a bit where uh, our hero wakes up at, uh, after sleeping at Count Orlok's castle. He's writing a letter to his beloved who he's left behind. She's upset to see him go. He's like, I'll be back soon. I'll be, you know, it'll be a week or two. But he writes her a letter. In the letter... He says, um, the countryside here is very, very beautiful. However, the mosquitoes are almost insufferable. I've already been bitten twice on my neck. There are two tiny puncture marks. And we know that Count Orlok has feasted on his blood and he has mistaken it for mosquito bites. Now, that is funny. That's more dramatic irony. And laughing at that, you know, that's... There were several other small occurrences of laughter like that um, until a voice from the front row in the dark while the improvised music's happening stated in a haughty and imperious tone contrary to popular belief of some this is not a comedy and this outburst was followed almost too quickly with a voice from the seat next to her adding i agree the audience fell as silent as the actors which you know, there was just this sudden freeze in the room. I mean, the band played on, uh, as was the fashion in the 1920s, uh, according to some documentary evidence. But there was uh, the atmosphere in this medieval church changed, and there was an unshakable feeling that we'd been told off, which is strange for an adult who was reacting to something funny happening in a film by laughing. No one had no one had thrown anything, no one had commented loudly, except for the person who was upset that people were enjoying it. There was you know, we'd been publicly shamed for enjoying the film incorrectly in the eyes of someone and someone else who agreed with her. So 
she had apparently been the only one to remember that we were watching a horror film uh, even despite the fact that Nosferatu actually functions more as a melodrama with a paranormal twist it's not not the exorcist it was made to entertain like all media it was made to be seen by groups of people to experience it together that's the thing this was made before so long before home media this was designed to be a shared experience Nosferatu they knew it was going to be like a play in that the only way to show it was to have a room full of people all watch it at once because otherwise the overheads were just stupid so it was supposed to be a communal event people weren't supposed to sit there and enjoy it ignoring everyone around them there was supposed to be a sort of people weren't supposed to be chatting all the way through it and stuff but there was supposed to be you know a shared intake of breath when uh, the uh, the mosquito bites as he put it uh, are revealed on his neck as he shaves in the morning so as to be a you know people people were supposed to have a sort of communal fear there was supposed to be a palpable tension and so it was supposed to bring people together a shared experience and so this would include the light-hearted aspects of it you know as i mentioned before the overacting and perhaps a lack of nuance that comes from it being such a young medium at the time of its creation that was what happened and then it, it occurred to me that you know the worst thing that could happen as far as you know being an audience member could happen which is we had a gatekeeper in our midst they're all over the bloody place the gatekeeper you may you will have encountered one even if you're not familiar necessarily with the term although if you're listening to a podcast like this there's a very good chance that you are if not a gatekeeper someone who dictates the appropriate behavior of someone with an interest in whatever it happens to be Let, okay let's get to know eddie a bit more just for the context here i'm a fan of many many things not just the stuff we cover in grooving movies although i am i'm a fan of many many things punk rock science fiction uh, comedy all sorts right the only thing in common with everything that i enjoy is that i've encountered gatekeepers in all of them those to whom the truth is known and the arbitrary standards of fandom are crystal clear you know of course you don't like doctor who if you've not seen all of the john pertwee episodes six times each you know of course you're not a punk fan if you can't name all the ramones albums in alphabetical order obviously you don't know the hot new comedian in pushing all the boundaries of taste and the form itself who's only done three gigs in rural south africa because you're not really a comedy fan are you you know, everyone knows the hipster thing is like, oh, they're, they're just this little band. You probably haven't heard of them. These are the people who know you haven't and who definitely want you to know that they're onto you. They've spotted you. You're an interloper. Why haven't you been doing this since you were in short trousers, right? These pricks exist everywhere, in every comic shop, in every gaming shop, video and tabletop, and every record store, and the internet. But let's let's forget that for today because that adds at least 600% to the runtime of this episode and I can already tell that I've lost some of you it's fine so I'm not a stranger to gatekeepers I could have very easily become one myself and dare I say it probably was one for a brief but regrettable time in a couple of things I yeah 
that's well anyway the air tainted by the slight satisfaction uh, eventually cleared and we had our scheduled interval which was after the end of Act 3 so a lot of people you know as the lights came up a lot of people looked around in the direction of the correction to see two women and a man uh, They there they were they were the gatekeepers uh, the man during the film was uh, blessedly silent so he may well I, I think if you'd have listened closely you could have heard hear, heard him nodding in approval yes yes i quite agree but anyway so as people milled about in the bar chatting about the different things the music and the films and all this kind of thing i passed by the trio uh who really got nosferatu you know um don't worry this is not a story where i said something to make them feel bad and then everyone clapped uh, nothing like that happened uh what i did hear though was the man who had been quiet during the screening uh, used the name of the German director Werner Herzog four or five times in a single breath in a voice too loud to merely be for the benefit of the two women that he was with. Um, since this incident I've learned that Werner Herzog did make a film about the making of Nosferatu so mentioning him does actually make sense but shouting about it and sort of repeating it like oh I think it was Werner Herzog was it Werner Herzog I think it was Werner Herzog it was Werner Herzog yes Werner Herzog absolutely yes it was Werner Herzog it was that kind of thing um at at the time I had half an urge to say uh oh well of course when they used the uh, stop motion for the uh, door to open by itself it did remind me of early Yang Schwankmeyer but that wouldn't have done any good for anyone and worse things that that could have resulted in a conversation with him which would have sounded a lot like this episode and apparently no one wants that <laughs> but uh, i don't think anyone was listening to them uh, not that they were given much choice when it came to celebrated german filmmakers who straddle documentary and fiction with great acclaim but that's fine um i just read all of that stuff about werner herzog off uh, wikipedia by the way uh, gatekeeping is easy if you're a nerd who can remember pointless shit uh, which i actually am which is the dreadful thing about potentially having a gatekeeper within me but I I, uh, I try to be the key master no uh, that's <laughs> I'm talking about Ghostbusters without Emma here she'll kill me um, I'll keep that quiet so here's the thing I think here's the difference between gatekeepers and people who broadly speaking see things from the similar perspective to me I'm not saying I'm the head of this, I'm just saying this is the position I hold and I think there are plenty of other people who hold, like I say, broadly speaking, a similar idea. I want people to like the things I like. Okay, I want them to. I'm not going to force them, I'm not going to think less of them if they don't. Taste is what it is, but I do want people to. This is why, I, partly why I started this podcast uh, or had the idea to and asked tom and emma to join in and and we shaped it into what it is i want people to like the things that i like not just these films either and tv shows i want them to buy the records buy the bands that i like so those bands can keep making records <laughs> because i want to hear them i want them to watch the films i love because i think they're worth watching and that people will like them and then there will be more films like that that get restored 
and released again in various home format or that can be found by wonderful people like Pizza Flicks on YouTube where we get most of our non-classics episodes the uh, the content that we watch get it from there I, I want them to keep on doing that I don't want these things in a on a dusty shelf just for a handful of people to see once in a blue fucking moon you know I want these things to be available to everyone and I want them to at least be given a chance to be seen and to be enjoyed and to be admired for what they are and discussed and all of those kind of things that's what I want to happen see and telling people off for enjoying a film on their own terms especially the kind of film they may well wouldn't choose to watch at home isn't going to encourage any further interest in silent films or black and white films and in this case non-english language films um because when they put up the cards with the german with the with the words on it they're all in german so they have them in subtitles a silent black and white film with subtitles i have people that i hold very dear to me and any one of those three things would send them running from the room going i don't want to i'm not going to watch it fundamentally the idea is is that i want to be able don't necessarily want to do it but i want to be able to go and watch a silent film with a live orchestra every night of the week but unless people are welcomed and supported when looking into going to one of these events then that's never going to happen it's never going to happen anyway but you take my point for a self-appointed arbiter of appropriate behaviour to break cinematic etiquette like that and address the rest of the audience says something about the entitled attitude of the individual and the, I suspect, pre-arranged, I agree, um, I think I hate the I agree woman more than the other one, as uh, she was actually too cowardly to break the silence herself, but certainly grabbed a coattail as it zipped past her and held on for a shimmer of self-satisfied glory but it, but it says that she feels that there were people there who didn't know how to watch a film this is something everyone's done even those people you occasionally meet who claim to have never watched a film but i suspect them of having their own bland agenda that they're there for another time as well she felt that people weren't watching a film correctly everyone was facing forward i didn't see anyone on their phone i didn't hear any chatter and it wasn't a big place. You could have probably heard, a, you know, even over the live music, the piano and the cello and the violin and the percussion, you could have heard, oh, what's going on? Oh, is he, is he the same one as that? You could have heard that more easily than you could have seen it in a big screen cinema. And the only voice we heard that wasn't related to the film, as in wasn't laughing, was this gatekeeper, was this arbiter of appropriate behavior so if you've made it this far and you think you might be a gatekeeper loosen up what's the point of having a toy in the packaging you can't play with it that way it's worth more money but it's worth less in every other way you know invite people around and show them the stuff you love they won't break it it'll still exist showing them a film you like and them going don't get it 
the film still holds all of those meanings for you, it's fine. Let them hear the difference between Biggie Smalls and Jay-Z and why that's great, instead of sneering that they don't already know. You know, show them why you think that the Marx Brothers are better than Adam Sandler, or why you think Adam Sandler's better than the Marx Brothers. And the gatekeeper in me, the arbiter of taste, felt a bit sick saying that, because I love the Marx Brothers, and I really don't care for Adam Sandler. But if you do, that's fine. It's okay. You know, if you're frightened by gatekeepers, you know, because there's one rearing up in me all the time, it's just, you know, I have to learn not to be a dick about it. You know, if there's, if you're frightened by them, just remember they're only doing it because they were frightened of them once. They were worried that they weren't legit. They were worried that they weren't, you know, OG. They didn't know it properly. That's what they were frightened of. They wanted, they didn't want to appear like imposters. So they felt the only way to do that was to point out other imposters. No, don't take me. Take them. They're a more example of what, you know, these are people who would throw you under the bus straight away, you know? If you want to play Band of Blades, but you've only just got into Pandemic, then just go for it. If some pompous bellend won't help, then find somebody who will. Think, oh, you've got that one board game that everyone's heard of. Why don't you try this brand new one? Oh, you probably wouldn't understand it. You know, fuck that guy. Pick up a DVD or a record or subscribe to Crunchyroll and watch an anime at random. Subs or dubs. Whichever you want. Subs, not dubs. It's gatekeeping again. Oh, oh, well, I suppose if you've only watched this one. Oh, well, everyone's seen that now. Watch whatever you want. See what the fuss is about without some prick telling you otherwise okay and if someone tells you off for enjoying things on your own terms for your own reasons then do exactly what i did think about it for a bit realize how funny and pitiful they are and then do a podcast about it our bloody old podcasters right they're the bloody worst for this gatekeeping stuff it's like they forget that it's your show and you can do what you want and some of them seem to think that they've got to answer to a network head or something they go, oh well i don't know i need to put but you don't need to do anything it's pure diy it's punk rock as fuck just do what you want to do with it uh, that's another topic i'm getting annoyed sorry anyway that thing you've been sort of interested in for a while, go and look at it. See if a friend wants to join in. Fuck it. And then you'll see it might become a brand new thing for you. So gatekeepers will try and keep the gate of things that are worthwhile, but it's okay because there is a gate that they're keeping, but the thing they don't realize is there isn't a fucking fence attached to that gate. It's just in the middle of an open field. Walk around them, get in there, get stuck in, and enjoy, or find out if you enjoy, whatever it is going on. It's cool, okay? Anyway, thank you very much if you've listened to this. I hope it causes some thought, if anything. We're going to be back next week uh, with a more conventional episode, uh, with any luck, with uh, Emma well on the road to um, recover she's not been that bad just not not well enough to do a podcast she's fine she's fine um, but if you'd like to send her any messages of get well soon then you can find our social media twitter we're at Groovin Movies Instagram at Groovin Movies there's the Groovin Movies Bopper Clubhouse on Facebook you can email us at Groovin Movies at gmail.com 
You can go to www.groovinmovies.com. That's grooving without the G, groovinmovies.com. Or you can go to our coffee page, uh, www.ko-fi.com forward slash groovinmovies. And you can buy us a coffee or whatever whatever three pounds can get us these days. You can, in increments of three pounds, if you like, if you enjoyed it. There's going to be all sorts of cool stuff coming up. Thank you ever so much for listening. I'm Eddie French. This has been a Groovin' Movies audio essay of sorts, a blog or what have you. See you later. Can you dig it? Groovin' Movies featured Tom King, Eddie French and Emma Tidswell and is part of the Discount Comedy Checkout Network. For more information, go to www.comedycheckout.com. Thanks for listening.